0: If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. I tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with his servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors were brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Today, we are nearing an end of this year of Preach Jesus. Now, please understand, that doesn't mean that we're going to stop preaching Jesus. We're going to go right on preaching Jesus. But this incredible year of focusing on the life and the ministry of Jesus is is going to take a slight shift. Because I, I want us in this coming year to be reminded that we are called not just to know Jesus but to follow him. And so we need more than just knowing about him. We need to step into life the way that he calls us to. So in the year ahead, you're going to be receiving invitation after invitation to come go deeper in the way of Jesus. But today, we're actually going to set our hearts towards Easter in this final series on preach jesus because we're going to be looking over the next several weeks at jesus and the final words that he spoke on the cross now by the way easter is only seven weeks away so so let me ask you who is it that needs an invitation from you who is it in your circle of influence that is waiting for you to extend that invitation Now, as you already know from the scriptures that you've heard today, today we're going to be talking about forgiveness. So, if you would open your Bibles up to one more teaching on forgiveness in Luke chapter 23, we're going to begin reading in verse 32. Now, before I read this, let me just kind of set a tone um, for today. Because here's the thing that I know forgiveness. Is tough it really is tough across 40 years of ministry now I know that in this room there are some of you who are carrying some deep and horrific wounds that you have experienced in life you've been hurt deeply and if I could just talk frankly the idea of forgiveness Gee whiz, that that just feels like betrayal. It feels like setting yourself up to be hurt again. And there are others of you, others of you that recoil from forgiveness not not because you can't extend it to others. But man, the idea of accepting it for yourself That that just seems impossible. And so the idea of forgiveness feels like um, it it just bubbles up personal failure and mistakes from the past that we cannot forgive ourselves for. So if you're talking about forgive somebody else, I'm good with that. But when you talk about forgive me, man, it, it is like a blanket of shame, just covers me. And so you think, forgive me? No, preacher, you just don't know. You just don't know. And also in this room, I know that there are some of you who are just so hungry for forgiveness and grace in your life that you would willingly put yourself back into painful or even dangerous situations with hurtful people because in the depths of your heart, you're just hoping. Maybe it'd be different this time. Maybe it'd be different. And so I feel like I need to start this message today by handing out to everybody a forgiveness airbag. You know, something that can kind of cushion the blow that you might be feeling. And let me say, with all the pastoral compassion that I can summon, I want you to hear me. You don't have to walk the forgiveness journey alone it's best when we buddy up and so if you're feeling all alone today let me come alongside you in whatever way I can because I want you to know forgiveness it is good for your soul. Now, I know some of you don't know me, and I get that, so let's get to know each other. If you're new here today and we've not met, my name's Kevin, and I'm just one of the pastors who would be more than happy to walk with you on a journey towards forgiveness. And if we've not met, let me just tell you, after the service, I'm going to be out in the Next Steps area in our common, back in this corner, big sign, can't miss it. Would love for us to begin that relationship if you would just come up and introduce yourself to me. And let me tell you another way that we can join the forgiveness journey with you. We ask everybody to fill out a connect card. The easiest way to do that is to scan that QR code on the listening guide that you were given when you came in, and on that QR code, you'll see a digital connect card link. You can fill that out, and one of the things you can do is you can just share your prayer request, and not just me, but you'll have a team of people who will pray with you about the burden that you're carrying in your life. So now let's read one more teaching on forgiveness from the lips of Jesus. Luke 23, beginning with verse 32. Two others, both criminals, were let out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The first words that Jesus spoke from the cross were simply these. Father, forgive them. It is so simple. And yet it is it is so profound the cross was the means of our forgiveness and forgiveness wasn't just limited to all of those that gathered there that day and could hear the words with their own ears that forgiveness is available to you and to me and so today i just want us to unpack three questions about forgiveness and the first question is simply this why should I why should I forgive and the first part of the answer is simply this because I need it and so do you because I need it when Jesus prayed father forgive them have you ever thought about the question who is them Who was it that Jesus was praying that for? Well, when I read that, the first thing that comes to mind, because the context is I go, well, it was the Roman soldiers, wasn't it? I mean, those men who wielded hammers and held the nails, he was forgiving them. Makes sense. Or maybe it was the religious authorities. I mean, there was plenty of hurt there as well, right? Those who used the political system of the day to arrest him, and then they had trumped up charges, and they incited a mob to violence. Maybe he was extending his forgiveness even to them, right? Or or maybe it's those that we don't see in the picture. You know, the disciples. The disciples needed it. You know, all of those Jesus followers who suddenly are nowhere to be seen, every one of them has gone a wall, hiding out, saving their skin, hiding their hideaway. These fair-weather disciples who only followed when it was easy. Maybe he was extending pardon to them, right? Father, forgive them. Who is them? Well, I think it was all of them. But I think it was more than them. I think it was me. I think it was you. I think I am them. And so are you. We are all sinners. The Bible teaches us. Romans chapter 3, 10 says, as the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one, not even one one I am them I am the sinner now I, I realize that that may be a little difficult to grasp I mean here we are in church I'm standing up here on this stage I got a Bible in front of me and all of you know preachers well they just live perfect lives don't they I mean, we live in this little righteous bubble as preachers, and so surely I, I can't be the sinner, right? I, I mean, I get that. Like a buddy of mine, he was, uh, he's also a preacher, and he was making the same point to his church. He was telling, you know, I am a sinner. We're all sinners. And he said, after the service, this one little lady came up to him, and uh, she was very complimentary of him, and she said, Pastor, she said, I just really, I really like you we've had a lot of preachers across the years who said they were sinful but I want you to know you're the first one that I could really believe I think it was a compliment wasn't it listen believe me I am them and you are them friends we all need forgiveness and if I am to be forgiven, it's pretty clear from all those scriptures we heard and read today, it's pretty clear that Jesus then expects me to be forgiving. So, so why should I forgive? Because I, I need it. And so let me say this, in preparation for what's coming at the end of the sermon, when we take the Lord's Supper, I want to hit pause. Pause. By the way, if you came in today and you didn't get one of these, these elements are available in the back, and anytime you can just slip up and go get them, come back. But, but let me just kind of set the tone for the Lord's Supper. When you look at your life, when you review in your life your own sin, what would you say is the thing The one thing that is harder than all other things that you've done, that you've experienced, that you know you need to hear the grace of forgiveness from the lips of Jesus. Can you name it? What is the thing? That more than anything you would want to hear Jesus as he's on the cross to lock eyes with you and say father forgive him father forgive her for and he fills in the blank with the thing what is the thing that you need to receive his blanket of grace for and then because I need forgiveness I am to extend forgiveness. So then even before we get to the supper today, I want you also to be thinking about who is the face? Who is the one face that comes to mind that you know you need to extend forgiveness? They need your forgiveness. Who in your life would need to hear you say father forgive him her because i need to forgive and so do you but there's another reason that i should forgive and it is this because i do not forget and neither do you have you ever heard it said oh you just need to forgive and forget right forgive and forget listen you need to understand you do not forget i do not forget not when i have been really hurt now we're going to talk in a little bit about how you can um how you can release or rewrite your memory of an event but that's not the same as forgetting but here's the problem of not forgetting because i don't forget what i do with my hurtful memories is i tend to obsess over them i take them out and i look at them over and over and over again and i put it on a constant rewind and a review and by not forgetting we begin to poison ourselves in fact let me let me illustrate it this way in in the year 1881 president james garfield was shot in the back by an assassin now the president survived the attack for another 80 days before he died and his doctors in their in their zeal to treat him and to save his life they did everything they could to try to find and to remove that assassin's bullet They probed his wound with their their fingers. They used a steel pole to try to figure out the path of the bullet so that they might make contact with it in hopes of finding it and removing it. They even enlisted Alexander Graham Bell to try out his new invention, a metal detector, on the president. And after two and a half months, they had no luck. And the president... Died, not from the assassin's bullet. He died from infection. In fact, the autopsy showed that the bullet was lodged in a harmless location that would not be threatening to his life at all. But the constant probing the constant irritating of the wound killed him of course we hear a story like that we say, well we we know a lot more about infection these days and thank goodness we do but isn't that what we do when we're hurt we just keep probing we keep irritating we keep obsessing over it because I do not forget and therefore, I have to learn how to forgive. Why do I forgive? Because I need it, because I do not forgive, forget. And also because without forgiveness, we hate and we become bitter. It's exactly what the Bible teaches us in Hebrews 12, 15. It says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many and listen when i refuse to forgive what happens is i begin hoarding the hurt in my heart until i become bitter you ever heard the book that's entitled the body keeps the score it's a book about how trauma actually is taken into our bodies and our bodies really do do keep the score so that brings us to the bigger question not just why do i need to forgive but but then how can i forgive and the first thing that i would say in this part of the journey is this you you have to begin by seeing the brokenness i mean you have to really see what it is that that has inflicted the brokenness and the hurt in your life i mean i've been doing a little family research recently and a lot of that has re- revolved around the reality that I never had a grandfather uh, when I was growing up. Both of my grandfathers died two years before I was born. They they actually passed away in the same week in the same hospital two years before I was born, and so I, I never had a grandfather. One of those grandfathers died at a relatively young age. He was just fifty-nine. And from where I stand, that's a relatively young age. He, he was just 59. And so I kind of have always lived with this sense of, I didn't have a grandfather. He, he, he died so young. Well, this grandfather of mine, he died from the cirrhosis of the liver and a lifetime of alcoholism. And so I kind of grew up always feeling like, here's a grandfather that I never had because of his addiction, you know? So that became like a hurt in my life. But I've recently begun to see his brokenness in an entirely new light. You see, my grandfather lost his dad, who would have been my great-grandfather, when my grandfather was just a boy. He was 11 years old when his dad died. He grew up, and he didn't have a dad to guide him. And his dad, he did die young. He died at age 47. And so while I'm doing all this family research, I actually found my great-grandfather's death certificate. You know what I found out? At age 47, he died from cirrhosis of the liver in a lifetime of alcoholism and let me tell you it was just like an aha moment it was like you know sins the father visited to the next generation kind of stuff but that's not all just six years later less than six full years later when my grandfather was just a teenage boy of age 17 his mother and four other members of his family, his brother, two sisters, and a niece, were all killed when their car stalled on a railroad crossing and they were hit by a train and all of them died. So now, when I think about my grandfather. I don't think about an alcoholic, sick, 59-year-old man who drank himself to death. But let me tell you what I see. I see an 11-year-old boy who never had a dad. And I see a teenager who, in one moment, was orphaned and lost virtually everyone. In his family. And when I see that kind of brokenness, I suddenly want to clothe him and blanket him with compassion and grace. And don't you know, that's what Jesus sees when he looks at your life and your brokenness and your sin his heart goes out to us so much so that when they nail him to a cross the first thing he can say is father forgive them the prophets of old told us that was the way it was. In Micah seven nineteen, it says this. Once again, you will have compassion on us and you will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. Don't miss this. The Lord does not desire to trample you. He wants to trample your sin and my sin. Listen, have you ever heard that old saying, hurting people? hurt people it is so true so true but when you understand the brokenness it begins a shift and you realize I am more than what happened to me and you are more than what happened to you And that brings us to this next thing. I see the brokenness, but then you got to begin to rewrite the memory. You begin to rewrite the memory. Do do you realize that you have the ability, the God-given ability, to rewrite and to edit your memory? The truth is you are not your brain. You are more than your brain. And you can rewrite your wounds. Now, I don't mean that you just pretend that it didn't happen. That, that's not reality. I, I, I don't mean that you make it into something that it wasn't, but rather as an act of faith and a decision of your will intertwined with your trust in God and His ability to bring good even in the midst of the absolutely rotten, you begin to rewrite the memory. And let me tell you, there's, there's a beautiful, a beautiful biblical story that shows this exact thing. You remember the life of Joseph? I mean, Joseph, you, think about the things he went through. He was favored son. Well, with his daddy he was, not so much with his brothers, right? What do his brothers do? They sold him into slavery. Listen, I grew up in a household all of brothers, and they did some mean things, but thank goodness they never tried to sell me. Only because they didn't think about it. But they sold him into slavery. And then he's falsely accused. He spends years and years in prison. But at the end of his life, do you remember what he said to his brothers? He told his brothers, come closer. Listen, again, I had brothers. If your brothers tell you, come closer, don't. Just don't. He said, come closer. And do you remember what he said? He said, you meant this for evil. And I'm so glad he used that word because that's the truth. They meant it for evil. It was done out of evil. It was done with evil intent. And then he says, and here's where he rewrites the memory, but God meant it for good. God meant it for good. How do you do that? How do you rewrite the memory? It doesn't mean that you erase the memory. You can't do that. But you got to see it in light of what god can do even in the hurt even in the harm even in the evil listen this week it was it was really good for me to go to wilmore kentucky because i wanted to see what was happening with the the asbury revival and i've written a post on facebook that you can read not going to go into all of that but here's the thing we used to live there There was a season when we lived in Wilmore and in that county. And let me just tell you, it was the hardest 18 months of ministry in our lives. It was painful for me. It was painful for my wife. It was painful for my kids. It was absolutely crazy some of the evil stuff that happened when we were there. But you know what I've come to see? Even all of the evil that we endured there, and it was, I've been able to see that God took that and he transformed that and he brought about some good in that. And even this week when we were there and seeing what's happening and how God's moving, it was like the Holy Spirit kind of gave me an elbow and said, see, I can even work here. Watch me. You rewrite it by writing God into it. And that often requires the next thing. How do I forgive? You patiently allow the required time. Forgiveness doesn't come quickly. We all want to snap our fingers and make it happen. But the feelings of forgiveness, they take a long time. In fact, I found that the feelings of forgiveness have to follow and catch up with my will to forgive. I will myself into forgiveness, and then the feelings catch up and follow. And I'm just going to be honest, sometimes it's a never-ending process. Forgiveness isn't a one-and-done thing, it's a journey. And today may just be one more step in your journey. It takes time. Of course, the only exception to that one-and-done kind of forgiveness is Jesus himself. He sort of mastered that once-and-for-all kind of forgiveness. Hebrews 10, 12 puts it this way. He says, But our high priest, talking about Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time, and then he sat down at the place of honor at God's right hand. That's how God has extended through Jesus forgiveness to us. It was a once and for all and for all time offer of forgiveness. So how do you forgive? we got to begin by being honest about the brokenness. Rewrite the memory with faith. Allow for time. And then this next thing, you need to remember that forgiveness is a team sport. It's a team sport. One of the really tough teachings on forgiveness comes out of the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said this, but if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That has some sting to it, does it not? But you see that last two words, your sins? There's kind of an important hint here about how to best handle forgiveness. That word, your, is actually in the plural in the original language. And so he's not so much talking about just my individual sins, but us collectively. If you were to write it in the southern version, it would say all y'all's sins is is how it literally is. All y'all's sins. So there is this sense that when it comes to forgiveness, we need others on the journey with us. That's why at the very beginning, I suggested to you that we need to buddy up on this journey. And of course, that's what was hinted at in Hebrews, was it not? Hebrews 12, 15, look after each other so that none of you fails. It's it's a team sport. James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. It's a team sport. Forgiveness isn't just between me and God. Forgiveness involves one another. And that's why we need... take this journey together but let me ask the most important question about forgiveness not why should I not how can I but the third question is how can I not how can I not enter into this journey when Jesus taught that really hard parable about forgiveness I always loved Peter's generous offer of reasonable restraint when it came to extending forgiveness. I, I mean, Peter's just absolutely amazing here when he says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? I don't know about you, but that's bold. Seven times. Times, You know, I, I'm more of the proponent of, of, of you know, that, that old saying that said, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, well, that's shame on me. But old Pete, he says, hey, I'm good up to seven times. What do you say? That, that's pretty generous, right? Seven times. And then Jesus blows him out of the water and he says, I tell you 70 times seven i remember at some point in my life thinking seven times seven that's 490. Whew, i'm gonna need a book so i can put put your name on the top and then i can start the list and i start counting one to 490 one more time 491 i can write you off take you out of my book that sort of misses the point doesn't it the point that jesus is making to peter is listen God's not counting, and neither should you. You know, when my girls were little, we got into that habit that all parents fall into. You know the one where you you look at your kids and you say, I'm going to count to three. Yeah, I heard somebody, whoa, they, they heard it growing up. And you say, one, and they do nothing. And you say, two, and they do nothing. And you take that breath and they jump up and all of a sudden they're motivated. Everybody else begins to think, why did I just tell him I'm gonna count to one and then you're gonna get the whack. Let us just let's just shorten this thing down. But listen to me. God's not counting. He's not counting to three. He's not counting to seven. He's not counting to 490 because his forgiveness is unending. It is limitless grace and mercy for you. And aren't you glad that God is not counting? And that's why God says, And now you sons and daughters who've received the mercy of the king go out and live like you are sons and daughters of the king and forgive like that and how can I not how can I not when I know that the one that was set free in forgiveness is me it is me I love what isaiah said the lord says i yes i alone will blot out your sins for my sake and will never think of them again never think of them again god is the only one who does the one thing that we cannot do he forgets when he forgives your sin he never thinks of it again He never thinks of it again. He never thinks of it again. And so when Jesus was on the cross and he prayed, Father, forgive them. He was erasing my sin. He was erasing your sin. He was erasing our sin for all eternity. So as the band makes their way back to the stage, let me invite you, first of all, to receive the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Would you allow His forgiveness, His grace and mercy to encompass you like a blanket of forgiveness? Today, would you hear the words of Jesus spoken for you? Father, forgive him. Father, forgive her. Let his grace cover you. Would you receive it? And not only receive it, but friend, would you accept it? To really allow his forgiveness to become the forgiveness that you need to give to yourself. Accept it. Remember that you are sons and daughters of the King of mercy. And then for goodness sake, once you've received it and you've accepted it, would you extend it? Would you show it and share it? Because there are people who still don't know it. And so we're going to share the Lord's Supper together, but first we examine ourselves, and I want us to examine ourselves along those two things, receiving and accepting the forgiveness and grace of Jesus, and extending that grace of forgiveness to those who need it.